How's everyone's week? Listen, I'm going to be straight up with you. Today, I'm going to be a little bit transparent, and I'm going to ask you not to judge me. Cool? Like, nothing super serious, but just kind of show some of my character flaws in a couple stories. But I don't want anyone to leave here and be like, oh, he's terrible. Okay? Just don't do that. Are we, are we good with that? All right, so we are in the middle of our identity series. Um, so last week, how many felt a little bit more chosen by God this week? Huh? Anybody? Anyone? So last week we talked about being chosen, right? That we did not initially choose Jesus, but Jesus chose us, right? He called us. The Holy Spirit worked on our hearts and drew us to himself. There's some people in this room right now. You don't know how you ended up here. You're here, but I, in Christianity we believe nothing happens, right? That doesn't have an explanation, Right? God is always moving, God is always working, and we believe that he drew you to himself and is drawing him, and he's still drawing each and every one of us to himself. But this week, we're going to talk about this. The title of my sermon is called, You Are Not Your Own. We're going to talk about how you are literally a slave of Christ. Did you hear that? So I want everyone to stand up real quick. Do not read this with me. I'm going to read it to you guys. And here's going to be the scriptures that we're going to found today's message on. First one is this. Romans 1.1 says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Second Peter 1.1 says, I, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the last one is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Everybody may be seated. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for another opportunity to hear your word, for your Holy Spirit to speak through us or through me to these people and to us, open our hearts so they may receive whatever it is you have for us, God. I just ask right now publicly that you would put aside any of my own agendas. Father, all I want is your son, Jesus, to be glorified in this church and to be glorified in this message. Jesus changes lives. I do not change lives. And we rest in that. All God's people said. Amen. Amen. So first thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a story. I was going to try to paraphrase this story, but I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to read the story because it's really powerful and I don't want to miss anything. And this will kind of give you an idea, an overview of the idea of being a slave and what that looks like. Now, don't think slavery like whenever in America we think of slavery, we think of like black slavery in the past. I want you to, get, I want you to wipe that slate clean, all right, on idea of slavery. I'm going to talk about a different kind of slavery. So here we go. Try to follow along. Pay attention. Don't follow along, but pay attention. During the years when slavery was legal in the United States, a gentleman happened upon, actually, hold on. It's kind of funny I just said not like slavery because this story happens to be about that. But Christian slavery is a little bit different. Hold on. Let me explain. During the years when slavery was legal in the United States, a gentleman happened upon, upon a slave bidding in a crowded street. The man paused to observe the activities. As he watched from the edge of the crowd, he saw one slave after another led to a platform, their arms and legs shackled with ropes as if they were animals. Displayed before the jeering crowd, they were auctioned off one by one. Some onlookers would inspect the merchandise, grabbing disrespectfully at the women, examining the muscular arms of the men. The gentleman studied the group of slaves waiting nearby. He paused when he saw a young girl standing at the back. 
Her eyes were filled with fear. She looked so frightened. He hesitated for a moment and then disappeared briefly. When he returned, the auctioneer was about to start the bidding for the young girl he had noticed beforehand. As the auctioneer opened the bidding, the gentleman shouted out a bid that was twice the amount of any other selling price offered that day. There was silence for an instance, and then the gavel fell as sold to the gentleman was heard. The gentleman stepped forward, making his way through the crowd. He waited at the bottom of the steps as the young girl was led down to her new owner. The rope which was bound her the rope which bound her was handed to the man, who accepted it without saying nothing. The young girl stared at the ground. Suddenly, she looked up and spit in his face. Silently, he reached for a handkerchief and wiped the spittle from his face. He smiled gently at the young girl and said, follow me. She followed him reluctantly, and they reached the edge of the crowd. He continued to a nearby area where each deal was closed legally. When a slave was set free, legal documents called manumission papers were necessary. The gentleman paid the purchase price and signed the necessary documents. When the transaction was complete, he turned to the young girl and presented the documents to her. Startled, she looked at him with uncertainty. Her narrowed eyes asked, what are you doing? The gentleman responded to her questioning look. He said, here, take these papers. I bought you to make you free. As long as you have these papers in your possession, no man can ever make you a slave again. The girl looked into his face. What was happening? There was silence. Slowly she said, you bought me to make me free. You bought me to make me free. As she repeated this phrase over and over, the significance of what just happened became more and more real to her. You bought me to make me free. Was it possible that a stranger had just granted her freedom and never again could she be held in bondage? Grasp the significance of the documents which she now held in her hand, she fell to her knees and wept at the gentleman's feet. Though her tears of joy and gratitude, she said, you bought me to make me free. I'll serve you forever. So as we can see, this story is a picture of exactly what it's like to be a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. He chose you. You were walking dead in your sins, a slave to sin, meaning you had the inability to not sin. See, that's the difference between an unbeliever and a believer. An unbeliever has an inability to not sin. Now, a Christian still sins, but they have the ability to not sin. Do you hear that? That ability is Christ working inside of you. He bought you with a price, right? And I saw that he bought me. I saw this death on a cross and what he did for me. And it's like, wow, he bought me. And now to live in real freedom forever, I'm going to serve him as a slave for the rest of my life. I'm going to get more into that. That's an overview. So, in Romans 1.1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, that word servant is actually the word called doulos. And the actual literal meaning of that word is not servant. It's much more severe than that. The actual literal meaning of the word is slave or bond slave. A lot of people did not translate that correctly because that has such a bad connotation. But servant isn't correct in reality, to how we're supposed to think of ourselves in relationship to Christ. It's more like a slave. But I'm going to explain. You have to remember, when Paul's writing to people in the New Testament, he's typically writing to Jews that would understand this language. See, slaves and bond slaves was, was very common in that day. Let me read something for you. The Jewish background, Hebrew slaves could only be kept for six years. After that, they were to be released. Sometimes the slave was happy with the situation, and he would offer to remain indefinitely. 
And I'm going to read something from Exodus 21, 5 through 6. This is the Orthodox Jewish Bible. This is an example of this. And if the Eves shall plainly say, I love Adonai, my Isha, and my Benim, I will not go out to the freedom. So if they love their owners, sometimes they would choose to stay with their, with their owners. Then his Adonai shall bring him unto Ha-Halloween. <coughs> he shall also bring him to the door. And his Adonai shall pierce through his ear with a piercing tool. Then he shall serve him. Exodus 21. John MacArthur summarizes this by saying this. In these cases, the dolus, or dulus, however you say that, was declaring, I don't serve because I have to. I don't serve because I'm forced to. I don't serve because I'm paid to. I don't serve because I'm afraid not to. I serve because I love my master. Therefore, I'll never go free. Do you see this parallel? Paul's image, a bond slave of Christ in a world full of Roman slaves, Paul's audience would have been grasped by this. It was very common in that day. Now, here's the problem, though. This idea of slavery, this idea of giving up our own rights is really, really tough for people like us. Romans 14, 7 through 8 says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. See, we often forget that we are not our own. This runs completely contrary to the world. I say this almost every week. In our world, it's funny. We want all of our own rights. We want to choose our identities. We don't want anyone to encroach on any of our rights. Right? But as a Christian, you're called to live exactly opposite of that. There are many things Christ asked me to do as one of his slaves that I do not want to do. Did you hear that? There's many things he asks you to do every day that you don't want to do. But I do it because I know that he bought me with a price, he laid his life down for me, and my ultimate joy and happiness is found in following my master. Amen, Josiah. <laughs> so I'm going to give you two stories. Here, you guys ready for these stories? So <laughs> my dad instilled in me a sense of pride, okay? I think some of it was to a fault. Dad would probably still disagree if he was here. But we don't like people encroaching on our rights, okay? And what I mean is our freedoms. Like, I'll be completely straight honest with you guys. This mask thing has been really hard for my personality. Like, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't wear masks, so please no one judge me and freak out. I want to protect those around that are vulnerable. I agree with all of that. But it's really hard to walk through a grocery store and have someone be like, and I'm like. <laughs> it's just my father kind of instilled this thing in me. So there's, just, there's a story, and I'll give you an example. We're on vacation one, day, one, one year in uh, Wisconsin Dells. And I'm super pumped because I'm kind of into fishing at the time. I was probably, I don't know, 16 or 17 years old. And uh, we didn't quite get there in time that night to go get our fishing license. Okay, so dad's like, you know what, we'll get them later. Let's wake up early in the morning. We're going to get out on the lake and go fish a little bit, and then we'll go get our license later. I mean, he's super excited, too. He's out on the water. I wake up, and I'm, like, all pumped. I got my fishing pole. I didn't quite get up as early as he does. And our place is, like, right on the lake. And I walk out, and dad is literally standing there with, like, officers, like, <laughs> like around him. <laughs> and he's fishing, apparently, and the guy, oh, what are they called? Like, the DNR, whatever? comes up and catches him without a license. And, and dad is like ticked. 
Dad's like pacing and lecturing the guy. And I'll never forget, he had this one line that stuck out, and it's been a joke in our family ever since. He looked at the guy and pointed at him and said, what kind of American are you? (laughs) And so, oddly enough, Dad got out of it. I don't know, that line worked, apparently. So, point is, like, we don't like people encroaching on our freedoms and on our rights. Now, are you guys ready for my story? This one's a little worse. <laughs> this one's a little worse, but I'm telling you, this, I got it from Dad, so I can blame him. So, Dad's was years ago. Mine was about three weeks ago. Um, so, I was coming home on a plane, and I get on the plane, and I have to pee really bad, Okay. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I have to pee, but it's a pain to get up there right now, so I'm going to sit in my seat, and I'm going to wait till we're up in the air, and then I'm going to go pee. No one's going to judge me, right? I need reassurance. No one's going to judge me, right? So, uh, so anyway, so I have to pee, and I'm like, I'm going to wait. Well, the lady, I, I, finally, there was like 30 minutes getting, like, late to take off. So I'm like, man, I got to go. I'm going to have to go now. So I walk up there, and I'm like, hey, I need to go pee. We haven't started moving yet. Do you care if I go? Nope, we're about to start moving. You have to sit down. And she was super rude. I'm not defending myself, but she was really rude about it. I'm like, okay. Go back, I sit down. About 20 minutes later, we get up in the air a little bit. I hear the ding. The ladies are walking around, the stewardesses. And I'm like, I got to pee. So she walks back there. She's like super rude about it. She's like, sir, I can't let you go to the bathroom, but if you're going to go, I'm not going to stop you. And I'm like, okay. Allegiant Airlines, really good one. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so I go and I go pee and I come back. Now, this is relevant, and you'll see why in a little bit. So during the flight, I'll fall asleep a little bit, and my mask will come down, and she'll come over, and they're like, and I'm like, oh. Like, they do that like three times. Well, later on in the flight, I have to pee one more time. So I go pee, and she's already told me to put my mask up two or three different times. And I, while I'm peeing, I put my mask under my chin, because I forget, and I walk out, and it's under my chin. I walk right by her. And it looked very disrespectful, like I did it on purpose. But anyone that knows me and my ADD issues knows I forget things like that really badly, Okay. So I sit down, and here she comes marching down the aisle. And like, like I'm in really big trouble, and I'm like, oh. And I like put my mask up. And she leans over, and she's like, sir, are you having a problem with your mask? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I went pee, and I, and I forgot. And then she goes, sir, if you do it one more time, I'm going to have to give you a written warning. Well, if you know me, this is where I have a hard time. This is where authority is really hard for me. Okay, so now I'm mad. Okay, she took it too far for me. So I pull my mask down, and I look at her, I said, hey, I'll do you one better. How about you kick me off the plane when we land? And then I put my mask on. Please forgive me. That was the fleshly line I need forgiveness for. So then, so I put it back on, and I look out the window, and I'm pouting, and I got my headphones in, and she's, now she's more mad, so she's not leaving. And I see her on my peripheral, and she's looking at me. This, well, this story gets better. <laughs> So I take my headphones, I was like, ma'am, we've already talked about this. My mask is up. What? And she goes, that's it. I'm writing you up. So she goes, gets this slip. She circles it. And she hands me this thing. And it says, you will be, if one more warning, and you will be prosecuted, full sentence of law, $25,000 fine. Now, the fascinating part about the story is I'm sitting to two of my best friends. One is a judge in Moline. The other one is a Moline cop. <laughs> so that's who's in my aisle. Anyway, the story gets better. Hold on. So we're flying. And she's up on the phone, and you can see her doing this. And the judge looks at me and goes, I bet she's talking about you. I was like, yeah, probably. He goes, well, hey, I read this. She can't do this. You need to go complain, file a formal complaint, and get her name. So I walk up there, and I try to get her name, and they won't give me her name. It's awkward, so I go sit down. Anyway, we land. Nothing else happens. 
This is where it gets really good. So we're, we're getting off, and I've got my backpack, and I'm like trying to look at her name tag before I get off, and the door's open, and there's three cops standing there. <laughs> they come in, they grab me by both arms, and they're leading me down the thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what are, what are you doing? Anyway, and the judge and the cop are by, Adam that works Moline, he's like, hey guys, like, let him go. Like, what are you doing? So we get through, and they're like, well, we, we got a call that you were an unruly passenger. I was like, yeah, well, I'm not fighting anyone. I'm just like, anyway, so I got ushered off a plane by cops. The point of the story is, I hope you see that rights is something I have a hard time giving up. <laughs> yes? Now, I will be the first to tell you that I could have handled that in more grace. I could have handled that. I was not a reflection of Jesus in that moment, and for that I do feel bad. But it's dad's fault. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> so point of the story is we have a really hard time with the idea of giving up our rights and our freedoms, right, to somebody else. But as Christians, that's exactly what we're called to do, unfortunately. Let me give you some scripture. I'm going to go through these quickly just to prove this to you. Romans 14, 7 through 8, For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And you are Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.23. You are Christ, and Christ is God's. If any, 2 Corinthians 10.7. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are literally his possession. You do not breathe without him. He created you. You don't have any real autonomy. You don't have any real freedom. He is in control of your life. I shouldn't say you don't have you do have freedom, but it's not as free as you think it is. Your own breath is because of him. Now, Jonathan Edwards, if anyone knows who John Edwards is, amazing theologian from back in the day, he wrote this at 19 years old. He grasped this. Back in the day, they'd go to college as young as 16. His intellectual level at 19 years old just blows my mind, but he wrote this at 19 years old. It says this In the morning, I have this day solemnly renewed my baptismal covenant and self dedication which I renewed when I was taken into the communion of the church. I have been before God and have given myself all that I am and have to God, so that I am not in any respect my own. I can challenge no right in this understanding, this will, these affections which are in me. Neither have I any right to this body or any of its members, no right to this tongue, these hands, these feet, no right to these senses, these eyes, these ears, this smell or this taste. I have given myself clear away and have not retained anything as my own. I gave myself to God in my baptism and I have been this morning to him and told him that I give myself wholly to him. I have given every power to him so that the, for the future I'll challenge no right in myself in no respect whatever. I have expressly promised him and I do now promise almighty God that by his grace I will not. He writes better than me. He's 19. So guys, that's exactly what we're called to. I want to wake up every day and renew that promise that God, today's not about me. Today's not about my desires. Today's not about my feelings. Today is about you, God. Today is about glorifying you. The sole purpose I was put on this earth is to glorify your name. So now how does that change what I'm going to do today? How does that change how I'm going to interact with people today? How does that change how I'm going to approach my job today? Significantly different. I want to talk about what freedom is. 
See, we have a misconception about freedom. A lot of people think freedom is the ability to do whatever it is I want to do. Let's look at the world. How does that turn out exactly? If you did everything your flesh wanted to do, how would that turn out? In slavery and in bondage to sin. If you guys haven't experienced that for yourself, I mean, a lot of us experience it personally. But if you haven't and you're lucky, I mean, and you look at the world, though, what do you see? Alcohol, drugs, pornography, right? Image. You see addiction to sin. You see addiction to other idols. All in the name of being free with the ability to do what I want to do. You want to know where ultimate freedom lies? Being a slave to Christ and doing what Christ wants you to do. See that? So it's... Paul, Sam Storm says this, in what sense then could Paul or any Christian say that he or she is free? For Paul, freedom was not in the opportunity to power to do whatever one wishes. Freedom is not the liberty to choose one course of action over another. Freedom for Paul, freedom for the Christian, freedom for the slave of Jesus Christ is the joy of aligning our will with that of Christ, obeying Christ, doing whatever Christ commands. Guys, even in little things, like getting obsessed about scenarios or obsessed about a job, obsessed about certain things, we become slaves to the next circumstance in our life, right? When in reality, what if you just woke up every day knowing, you know what, God, you're in control. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to strap myself in, and I'm along for this journey. There's a whole lot of joy in that. There's a whole lot of real freedom in that. You can kind of chill out a little bit. Your idea of where you're going to be in five years it's funny. Anyone ever look back at life and you're like, whoa, thought I was going to be, didn't quite turn out that way, did it? God has a plan. The fact is, everyone is a slave. Either you are a slave to your sinful flesh and your own ego or the expectations of others, or you are a slave to Jesus Christ. Did you see that? I'll read it again. The fact is, everyone is a slave. Either you are a slave to your sinful flesh and your own ego or the expectation of others. Did anyone hear that? Raise your hand if you heard that. The expectation, oh, yes, Jesus. Or you are a slave to Jesus Christ. The freest person in the world is the person who lives as a slave of Jesus Christ. And that sounds so interesting to say. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or did you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. God, do you ever realize that Jesus in the Trinity separated himself from perfect love and perfect harmony when he died on the cross for you? And if you don't know, let me back up a little bit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is the God that we worship. He's three in one, one in three. Jesus came down to earth and literally separated himself. He died on the cross, felt real human pain, real human emotions, bared the ultimate sacrifice. He could give up nothing greater than that. He separated this perfect love and unity that's existed forever for you. That's how expensive you were. That's how much he loves you. Right? And just like that woman in the earlier story, Right, who saw a man come up and buy her, right, and then basically said, I'll serve you because this is the greatest thing anyone could ever do for me. Guys, someone paid a whole lot bigger price for us than that. 
So that's how we need to see this. That's how we need to wake up every single day. So, and it says, so glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Following our own selfish desires and the things that we want every day doesn't glorify God. It glorifies us. Right? Me becoming a big fancy preacher glorifies me. But in reality, I don't want that. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of what my flesh will do with that. What I want is to glorify Jesus. So what does a slave slash maturity look like? Terry Virgo, it's funny, I was preparing this sermon, and this popped up on my Facebook, and sometimes this doesn't happen on accident. Spiritual maturity doesn't mean you become more self-assured and independent. It means that you know the Lord better and are increasingly confident in him. Well, I thought that was super relevant. So Galatians 5.1, I'm going to wrap this up. Galatians 5.1 says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Guys, we were slaves to sin. And this verse is fascinating because it says, do not submit yourselves again to the yoke of slavery. If you think that you're stronger than sin in and of yourself, you're wrong. It is super tempting. It is very easy to get trapped in. And you do not want to see yourself become a slave to sin. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell. Hear me. I'm saying on this side of heaven, if you want real freedom, right, do not submit yourselves to the sin. Take it very seriously. But submit yourselves as a slave to Christ and walk in real freedom. You guys can stand up together. It's the last scripture. I had a lot of scripture today, but a lot of proof. Romans 6, 20 through 23 says, For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You guys can bow your heads. Father, we thank you that you bought us with the most expensive price you could, Lord. That you gave your own son, you gave your own flesh, you gave yourself on a cross to free us once and for all, Father. And I pray that you would give us the strength in the Holy Spirit to ward off sin, to fight off sin, and submit ourselves as slaves to you, Father God. We kill our own flesh, we kill our own desires, we lay our lives down. Our body is not yours, our senses are not yours, our life is not yours, is not ours, I'm sorry, but it's all yours. God, we thank you so much, and all God's people say, amen.